And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Welcome, everybody. It is the August installment of the J.C. and Morgan podcast. That's right. We're in August. Remember August, the month that players would be practicing and we're kind of breaking depth charts down and all that good stuff. Well, it's a little bit different season, of course. And, of course, August would be the month that nothing is going on other than the Major League Baseball regular season. Nothing, just crickets. Everything is done. It's dead, except it's one of the busiest times in the history of the sports calendar. It is the bizarro world, and we're living at it each and every day. He's J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports and TheBigSpur.com. I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. We've uh, taken a little bit of extra time since our last podcast. We normally do it on a weekly basis. Uh, COVID has affected that a little bit. And I, I didn't want to dive right in, J.C., last week because I knew we had some major news coming down with with schedules and and now we've got at least the models set for all the power five uh the big 12 the last one to chime in yesterday late yeah they i don't know what the um what point of the news cycle they were looking for here but they it didn't come down till like late evening so it's kind of buried um then again some might say the big 12 has been buried in terms of exposure and uh, overall cachet of late. But anyway, we have that down. We got a ton of things to get into. Um, we've got the, the, again, the schedule structures for the power five is complete. We've got the PAC 12 union of sorts of players threatening a boycott. We've got players opting out for playing this season due to COVID. We've got, um, we're expecting an NCAA board of governors, uh, Press release either today or in the near future could be newsworthy, could be non-newsworthy, could be announcing that the FCS championship is on the playoff, uh, which has only grown in popularity over the years, or it could be announcing it's not on. Uh, We don't know. Remember, that's that is a level of football the NCAA does control. As we know, they do not control uh, FBS football at all. Mark Emmert still uh, throwing out quotes here and there and everybody just kind of patting them on the head saying that that's nice. Thanks for chiming in. We're still doing our own thing. Um, you've got Gary Patterson under siege for telling a black player not to use the N word and using the N word in the process. So uh, especially in this day and age, we know uh, what that means in, in terms of uh, the coverage of that. Um Am I leaving something out? I think that's – oh, we've got the, the Washington State situation mm-hmm. with the first-year head coach. Um, Rolovich. Coach Rolovich from Hawaii and, and a, a player and what was supposed to be a private conversation. I love the fact that everybody now believes a private conversation is worthy of um, surreptitiously recording and then issuing sure. uh, the, the recording of that. Leak it to the Washington Post like the SEC players did. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. I want to get into that too. Um, we, <laughs> it's kind of an invasion of, uh, of privacy, but uh, I guess that's the new norm as well. Um, bu- 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 yeah, I, it, it, it's not related, but it is related. The XFL opened its doors back up thanks to The Rock. Leave it to another wrestler 
to get that going. And, and with all the talk about, you know, how players are again, exploited, manipulated, enslaved, um, uh, what a raw deal they get mm. getting a full ride and getting everything paid for and getting pocket money with uh, cost of attendance and other money that, that, you know, if only there was another option, well, uh, maybe there will be, maybe that's their version of the G league. So there's all that stuff to get into. We'll get into it one by one, but first of all, I digress and say hello to JC Sherbert. Hello, Mike. Yeah, there's a lot to get into. Um, some of it's, uh, some of it's very interesting. Uh, you know, we live in interesting times and, um, you know, there, there's a lot out there, I think to a certain extent, um, you have conflicting narratives, uh, kind of in the, in the grand scheme of things with society and it's trickling down to college football. And I would just say to that, that you can't solve every single problem right now during a pandemic. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, you, you can't and you can't interrelate everything right now to the pandemic and to other things and other topics in our society. And I think that's unfortunate, but that's the the social media world that we live in. And, um, you know, so we'll talk about it. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, certainly are all valid topics and uh, can't wait to get into. Them. Well, and I I'm glad you mentioned that I, I um, you and I are very fortunate and that we both have our jobs, which we love to do, mm-hmm. uh, and in our own versions uh, are, are taken care of quite well. Uh, I know you're happy with your employer. I'm happy with my employer. Uh, so uh, we are, in, in my eyes, we're the blessed ones. Um, and a lot of people that cover this sport with such a cynical tone and eye whether they want to acknowledge it or not, they are very fortunate. Um, but, uh, but on a whole, people are suffering out there. People are absolutely suffering right now. Uh, you've got lower class people that I'm talking economically, of course, that are struggling to be uh, just struggling for the proper amount of food and nutrition for their families. You've got middle-class people struggling to pay their mortgage or their rent. You've got upper middle-class people who are struggling to keep their business businesses afloat, which if you don't have sympathy for them and you should, uh, maybe you have sympathy for the people they employ because when small businesses go out of business or big businesses for that matter, people lose jobs. Um, you got all this stuff going on. You got parents trying to figure out how their kids can afford college and right now, all that is in the sports world. They're being pushed aside for the 19 to 22 year olds who believe they are victims of a bad system uh, going on. So we'll get into that as it pertains to the Pac-12 and the um, the organization, which was really this has been going on now for about six, seven years. Remoji Huma, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he is the, the gentleman who, who was a football player at UCLA. I'm not that familiar with his playing career, but he started this kind of union back. Remember the Northwestern case? Um, you remember that, JC, when they were, we were talking about unifying, basically. Maybe you don't remember that. Am no, I- no, no, no. I, I remember the, uh, they, they wanted to unionize, and it was, you know, looking back on what they actually wanted, um, it, it wasn't kind of money or anything, but, uh, they shot it down in court, you know, saying that right. you, you, know, you can't unionize. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, 
I think unions are good in certain industries. I'm, I'm generally anti-union. I think that they've sort of lost their, you know, uh, relevance in a lot of industries. Um, of course, you know, things like the NFL's Players Association and things like that, I don't mind. Um, but I think unions in a lot of ways have ruined economies, especially in the Rust Belt, um, with ridiculous demands. And, and I think that if you don't want to join a union, it's your right. Um, but uh, trying to unionize in college football, you know, am, am I a big fan of that? No. Do I think players need advocacy? Yes. Uh, but this guy tried that um, with Northwestern and it didn't work. And now he's, he's sort of the guy behind this Pac-12 thing. Right. Um, long history since 2001 of uh, being a quote unquote players advocate. Right. Right. And, and I, I mean, I remember being on Atlanta radio and debating with a guy who's no longer in the market and he, he was convinced, you know, six, seven years ago that the Northwestern case, this was going to change the landscape of college athletics. And I was like, based on what, <laughs> this is not going to change anything. Um, and of course, uh, it didn't change anything. <laughs> it got shot down and, you know, at the end of the day, um, there's a there's a real cruel reality that the rest of us face as adults. And I think it's it's never too early to learn this lesson. It's called supply and demand. And if you think that you are unique, uniquely talented to the point that you can demand certain things that the guy right behind you uh, can't uh then you're probably going to learn in many cases you're wrong that uh, you could take away the top 300 recruits in college football and the next 300 will gladly fill those slots. And it's not going to affect the attendance or the ratings of the games themselves, as you and I have talked about uh, ad nauseum to this point. But um, at any way, this particular gentleman now is, you know, he's all in. I, I think, I think too, and look, I'm all for, Sometimes I feel like I have to qualify everything nowadays because if you don't go with uh, what what Twitter says is right on everything, then you, you know it's everything's binary. You're either pro athlete or you're anti athlete. Well, no, I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not anti athlete at all. Just and I don't subscribe to everything you think is going on in college athletics just because you say it on a 140 character bit on Twitter. Or you, you're a um, you're a writer in college football, and this is your stance. Again, coming everything through the prism of college athletics are bad, bad, bad for the athletes, and and they're all victims of a terrible, terrible system. All that being said, I don't believe any of that, but uh, I'm I am more than okay, and it's going to happen uh, with NIL, name, image, likeness, which is going to put more money in athletes' pockets. I have no idea how they're going to implement it. I think it's got a chance to be wrought with absolute cheating and, and uh, every loophole they can find because that's what college coaches do. They try to find an edge. They try to find an advantage. And so it's not going – as I've pointed out many times, it's going to be basically artificial demand in a lot of cases – uh, but I'm at the point now where I just don't even care if we can get rid of the under the table money and the dirty recruiting and also at the same time eliminate some of the belly aching that they're not getting their true uh, worth, then great. Let, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, by the same token, you know, we are 
we are now at a point in time where I feel like JC, there's, there's some people out there that look at the status of college sports, almost like if you ever seen a, a roach after it's had some pesticide and it's on its back. Now it's still alive. The legs are kind of wiggling and moving and going crazy, but it can't, it can't move. I mean, it, it, they, they know they're, they're done for, right? It's just, it's just how long does it take? Are you going to yeah. let him just sit there and wiggle his legs until he runs out of steam and dies? Or are you going to pick him up and flush him down the toilet or what have you? I think some of these groups look at because of COVID-19, if ever there were a time to get what you want, this is an opportunistic time to do it. And so college athletics is to them, the, the bug that's on its back, that's really done in for and has, it can't offer any resistance anymore. Right. And so it's never been more vulnerable. So you can pretty much push for whatever, extreme idea you have and there's not going to be that resistance because of the vulnerability of the power structure. I think that's the way some of what's going on is happening. Um, and so in their minds, it's, it's okay to ask for 50% of the revenue. It's okay to tell conference commissioner, conference commissioner and the coaches in the league to take pay cuts uh, it's okay to push for allocating of certain funds to what they believe are noble causes. All these things are okay because they come at it. And I'm not, I'm not paraphrasing here. They come at it from a standpoint of they are truly uh, exploited. They are truly in a, in a system that is inherently bad and wrong uh, on so many levels. And, and so there, this is the time to go ahead and, and right all those wrongs. That's what's being done with the, uh, the PAC 12 suit. Now, again, I'm going to read this real quick, Jason. I, I say real quick, I'm going to read it as quickly as I can. And I don't think I've ever done this on the podcast. Um, and honestly, I don't know who Mark Ziegler is. Are you familiar with Mark Ziegler? Mark Ziegler? No. Mark Ziegler writes for the San Diego Union Tribune. So he's not the typical national sports writer that you're used to seeing on Twitter every day. But uh, he wrote, I thought, a, a very intelligent response, whether you believe he's right or not. And the title of the column is, it's time for college sports to tell athletes to take it or leave it. He says, group of Pac-12 football players issue list of demands or threaten to boycott season. This was written yesterday. Because eventually, college athletic administrators need to make a choice. Are they going to continue backpedaling or are they going to take, make a tackle? Are they going to stand up and stand by their product? Is enough ever going to be enough? Because apparently college athletes, or at least college football players, aren't going to stop asking for more, even as they receive concession after concession. The latest group with his handout as Pac-12 football players who issued a lengthy list of demands Sunday with the threat of boycotting the season. Here's a suggestion. Go ahead, boycott away your loss. The man behind the curtain is former UCLA linebacker Ramoji Huma, a proponent of unionizing college athletes who has a nonprofit advocacy group called the National College Players Association. 12 football players from nine Pac-12 schools identified themselves as part of the movement, adopted the hashtag, we are united. It's unclear how many of their teammates have joined them. Washington cornerback 
Elijah Molden, a projected first-round pick, offered his implicit support. Many of these 17 demands involve COVID-19 and racial equality, the summer's two hottest topics, and no doubt a way to avert, excuse me, exert leverage with a sympathetic public ear. Some are reasonable and, uh, and already exist or could be implemented easily, but the crux of this is about is no different what it's always about, money. The first time, excuse me, the first item under the fair market pay rights and freedom section, quote, distribute 50% of each sport's total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. Uh, the presumptive math, if each Pac-12 football program gets, say, $32 million a year from TV and bowl payouts, the 100-odd players on the roster should split $16 million of it. On the surface, it sounds great. It always does. College football generates billions of dollars. Coaches make too much. Facilities are over the top. And the poor, exploited players get nothing. The reality, they don't get nothing. They get a full scholarship or five and sometimes six years plus grad school if you finish your undergrad degree early and still have eligibility. In some cases, that's worth $350,000. You get housing and cost of attendance stipends, recent additions because the scholarships alone were not enough. That can be another $10,000 per year in cash. You get priority registration so you don't have to wait a semester or six for the unpopular upper division class, excuse me, for the popular upper division class with the primo professor. You finish with no student loans or $37,000 less than the average California grad did last year. You get academic tutoring 24-7. You have food, food available 24-7. You fly charter. You stay in five-star hotels. You get per diem. You get boxes and boxes of gear. You have access to some of the best doctors and dentists and ophthalmologists in the country. You work out in private weight rooms with state of the art equipment. You are conferred an elite social status on campus. Starting soon, you can enter into personal endorsement contracts for your name, image, and license, and more marketable by the 100 year history and branding of your university. What's the total value? $100,000 per year? $200,000 per year? More? That's not enough. At some point, college administrators need to say it. Here's what we can offer. We think it's more than generous. If you don't like it, you are under no obligation to accept it. College sports aren't for everyone. The article goes on and on and, and breaks down a number of the other things that uh, the, the athletes are demanding in this group. is, And I say demanding because that's what they're doing. They're not asking. They're demanding or else. Uh, and this has actually been batted back and forth. There was another conversation Larry Scott had with – with this movement that basically said, we, we need you to do this in a more timely manner. Uh, the article does go on to say ADs want to pay an offensive coordinator a million dollars a year, but they also understand the capitalistic principles of a free market economy and the effect of winning football games on their bottom line and don't want some guy with a backwards cap from the local JC spitting chewing tobacco into a cup <laughs> while mulling over third and long in the fourth quarter at the Rose Bowl. The Ivy League peered over the slippery slope back in 1954 and made the concerted decision not to offer athletic scholarships. You can apply and qualify for financial aid like every other student. Athletes who go there know the deal and have accepted the terms. Don't like it. Don't go there. College sports aren't for everyone is how the article ends. A lot of this, if you've been listening to us, JC, um, the thousands of people that download us and listen, uh, this is what we've been saying. This is what I've been pointing out for 20 years on 
various outlets, including talk radio. Uh, it's not an anti-athlete stance. I am happy that they're getting all they get. And unlike most of the people that, that have such a negative stance on college athlete, uh, college athletics and feel like they're completely uh, being manipulated and exploited in every other negative uh, adjective or verb you can use. I have actually, I go to these campuses. I'm, I'm inside. I see where they live, where they work out, where they, I'm telling you, it's never been this nice players from like the nineties are like, my goodness, look at this weight room. Look at this learning facility. Look at the meals they're being fed. It has improved exponentially and I'm not against any of it. There's more money out there. Fantastic. But, uh, at some point, again, if we learned anything by what's going on, the more you concede, that's, that doesn't put an end to it. That's just the more the asking becomes. So at some point, you do have to say, is enough enough? And that's what the article states. I thought it was well-written. Um, I, I mentioned on Twitter, Greg McElroy was on one of the SiriusXM shows yesterday. And again, agreed with some of the things like extensive medical care, medical care after you leave. But pointed out that, and most most everybody has pointed out, the fifty percent of revenue is ridiculous. Okay, first of all, you, you just don't have. I don't know if if uh, Mr. Huma was an economics major, but the the model, the, the the math doesn't add up. The money is spoken for. So unless you want to eliminate every other sport, all the women's sports that don't make money. Uh, the Olympic sports on both sides of the gender table that don't make money. Uh, that's all produced by football and basketball revenue. It's already accounted for. So if, if you, if you actually gave every football player, let's say a hundred grand, you don't have money left over to pay any of those kids scholarships. So I, I don't think they're suggesting we're going to eliminate everything, but football and basketball, I, at least I hope they're not suggesting that. Um, so the money just doesn't add up on that, but I look, I get it like many other people that's ever been in a, in a negotiating situation, JC, you ask for more than you think you're ever going to possibly get. And then you hope you, you land somewhere in the middle. So it's, it's a little bit of a high low game going on here. At least I think that's what it is. Hopefully they did their homework and realized that that's not remotely attainable. Um, but by the same token, when you go out there and this is not a suggestion, this is an ultimatum then you, you really need to have your numbers straight and correct if you're going to be taken seriously on the other issues as well. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think they are in terms of the numbers and all that. And, you know, I, I first of all, I, I roundly reject the fact that college football is some sort of uh, case study and exploitation of athletes. I, I just, uh, I, I, I don't buy it. I think that when you go in with that very narrow opinion, you are you are kind of looking at it through a prism of of very you know you know very few players that could actually go and you know not go th- through college football and then go make a living playing football. Football is a developmental sport; nobody understands that. Um, if anybody's to blame for the system, I think it's the National Football League because they basically just, you know, mooch off of college football. They don't have their own developmental program like other sports. Um, you know, so, so if you want to blame somebody for being unfair in the marketplace or whatever, blame the NFL. 
because, you know, if, if that's the argument. Now, do I feel like athletes should get a little more, especially the major athletes? Yes. And to implement my plan, you would have to go and, and you know, you'd have a Title IX issue. And the same people politically, like the Richard Blumenthal's of the world, the guy that lied about fighting in Vietnam, and your Cory Booker's of the world, they're staunch supporters of Title IX. So you'd have to almost go, you know, if you're going to give these guys what they're worth from the institutions, you know, that is not going to be in compliance with federal law. So you're going to have to change it. You're going to have to make exceptions from a law, the law, the federal law, the law of the land. Um, and, they, you know, so, so, so there's a general ignorance out there about that. Probably the most ignorant thing, Mike, is, is the actual value. When you, you know, when you're talking about cold, hard facts here, and these are the facts, okay? If you took if the let's say the NFL did start a minor league, and the top seven hundred fifty to one thousand, I'll go that deep. High school football players in the country said, "I'm going straight to the minors." There is another thousand on the back end. You know, there's another thousand that, that are at FCS or the group of five that just move up. Another guys that move up and move up and move up. The game itself suffers none the money coming in for the game suffers none the interest in the game suffers none college is about affinity college fans love their schools because they love their schools or they love their teams because that's what they grew up with a passion for you know they're not like nba fans who are going to like get calf season tickets when lebron's playing but not get calf season tickets when he's not right. you know it's a different deal it's about the name on the front of the jersey. And the name on the front of the jersey, by and large, is what's built the vast majority, not saying all, not saying players have no value, but most of the value in the sport. People care about college football because it's their team. So, so you plug players in from the lower level, first and foremost, you know, half of those guys are going to end up being better than half of the top guys that came out of high school because football is developmental. And different guys develop different ways. That's why you see guys on NFL rosters that didn't play at big, very big schools. That's why Aaron Rodgers had no offers out of high school, had to go to a junior college, even though he's academically eligible, had one offer from Cal, and now he's Aaron Rodgers, Aaron freaking Rodgers, okay? That happens. That happens a lot in this sport. It's not like basketball where you kind of know who your lottery picks are going to be 18 months, you know, and then they go play a token season in college and, you know, whatever. Football's a different beast. So I don't think people realize that there is a load of value associated with these college programs in and of themselves, even without players, even if you got replacement players, you know, like, like when, when the, the NFL went on strike, it's not going to be like that. Fans are still going to pack it out. You don't think Alabama's going to get 90,000 in, even though they had to, you know, that they may not have as much talent on their roster as they once did. You're not thinking their fans still want to win. You know, people were like, well, then, then why do certain players, you know, you hear the stories, they get thousands of dollars under the table. They're worth that. They're only worth that because these people that pay that money want their teams and schools to win. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to get that. They're not just saying, hey, you're good at football, so I'm going to give you this money. No, no, it's you're good at football. I want you to come to my school. There's the big caveat, whatever. So I think there's a general ignorance as far as what is the actual value of college uh, major college athletics, which the, the revenue sports, um, football and, and men's basketball. But I'm willing to compromise. 
I'm willing to say, okay, we're living in a different time. Uh, I think that if you don't compromise a bit uh, and bend a little, and you're going to have to fix Title IX and make a carve out because you're not going to be able to do this otherwise, Cory Booker and Richard Blumenthal and all you geniuses on Capitol Hill, um, you're going to have to do this. So I'm willing to compromise. I'm willing to go unlimited name, image, likeness, no matter what crap it causes. You know, uh, I, I do agree it's a slippery slope. I don't like slippery slope arguments. I would hope people would be responsible. I would hope that the hotshot quarterback, you know, you don't have an oil man in Texas buying two million jerseys, you know, or whatever, you know, having him sign a million autographs or for for a hundred dollars a piece or whatever. I would hope that it doesn't get out of control. But I, you know, just like the actor that's uh, in college on a theater scholarship, he can go do commercials or do summer stock or star in a movie or whatever, and he gets paid. Um, so so I, I'm all for that. We also talk about systemic racism. I want to say that I soundly reject that there is systemic racism with the way college sports is set up. Is it misguided amateurism? Uh, do I think certain academics have hid behind the amateurism flag for too long? Are they unrealistic? Yes. But that has nothing to do with systemic racism. I, I think, if anything, some of the BS academic uh, requirements on, on that end, you know, can be interpreted that way a little bit. I mean, you had a bunch of basketball coaches come out the other day and say, hey, let's do away with the SAT requirement. Okay, that's that's fair. But do I think the financial setup of this is systemically racist? No, I do not. But one of the big problems that people who, you know, wave the systemic racism flag say is that there's not been an ability for African-Americans, and keep in mind, majority of these players are African-American to build systemic wealth or I'm sorry, systemic wealth, generational wealth in our country. Um, fair. That's a, that's a big, long political science topic, you know, social justice topic for, you know, you can, you can look that up and see whatever that is. That's fi fi fair enough. All right. So I'm going to start with a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, because if you do the total, that's about 8.5 million a year. It's a drop in the bucket when you consider, some of the TV money these conferences are getting and are going to get. And I'm going to say, okay, when you complete your, your time here, the eligibility, you don't even have to graduate. I'm going to give you a hundred grand and you can start that business and you can buy that house. You can blow it all on hookers and blow. You can, you could go buy, you know, a bunch of sports cars, but you get a hundred grand and there's your, your cut when you get done. Uh, that's your profit sharing. Okay. I also think that you pay them like you pay teaching assistants at the graduate school level. We, you know, football players and basketball players perform a service to the university that has value. So you pay them like you pay TAs. TAs make about, you know, 18 to 30, depending on where you're at. It's a salary. Um, you know, I don't see any difference between what a football player is doing and what a TA does. You're, 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 you're in school, you're a student, but you're also performing a service for the university that's very valuable. Uh, I think that's, that schools, and this would be easy for them to do, unlimited scholarship for life. If you, if you're in, if you want to come back and go to law school and you can get in at the school that you played football for, you're, you're golden. If you want to come back and pursue another degree, you're golden. As long as you keep up your academic work and you, you know, there are academic rules that, that are required and all that. A lot of schools do this. They let you come back and get your bachelor's degree anyway. I'll take it a step further and say, you want a master's, you want a PhD, whatever, 
you know, we say it's a 40 year commitment and it is, we'll take care of you for life. Healthcare, the affordable care act states, this is Obamacare for those of you out there. And I'm, this is not a debate about that, but it states you can keep uh, your kids on your insurance till they're 26. Well, again, this may take some Capitol Hill maneuvering. Let's let colleges, you know, keep players on the health insurance for six years after they expire. That's a, that's a great benefit because of the way health insurance works and the fact that, you know, health is paramount in this situation uh, and all that. And so let's them, let's let them extend that on everything else they ask for, you know, I believe with the PAC 12 with, with, we got to be safe from COVID. We got to do this. We got to do that. I think all that's fundamental. I think if you're a college and you're not keeping your players safe, shut it down. But in terms of the overall picture, and I guarantee you, I don't want to guarantee you because I don't want to speak for him and he's we're not giving him a chance to speak, but I would be willing to bet that this guy that's been advocating the athlete advocate advocate guy that played at UCLA would say that is not enough to me, Mike, that is a gold package right there. If I were a student athlete, I would look at that. I'd be like, well, you're taking care of name image like this. You're taking care of the generational wealth issue that people talk about on the social justice end of things. Um, that's not going to solve that problem. But at college sports, all of a sudden, it leaves that discussion because they're doing what they have to do. Uh, you're giving me unlimited educational opportunities. You're taking care of my health care for six years after I play. And I'm getting a little bit better salary while I'm in school performing this service. I, I think that's, you know, am I a person that has advocated to, to, to change the current system? No, but I do think that we're in a time where some compromise has to be made because otherwise you're going to get politicians involved. You're going to get judges involved. There are going to be lawsuits and the whole thing could come crashing down completely. Well, so you're, you're saying in, in that plan on top of everything that's already paid for and yes. on top of name image likeness, a hundred thousand dollars is put in the pot for every athlete after, after you get out. Um, because on top I, of I, everything else, after you get done. Yeah, because, I mean, that's that's the – people argue about, you know, that, that was one of their points that, okay, well, we need to do something about, you know, the ability for African Americans to build generational wealth. I don't think that $100,000, you know, to, to make that, you know, to do your part with that uh, is a big price to be paid considering the money that comes in. And, you know, you do your part – and if you do your part on that end, you don't have people coming back yelling at you about it, you know, because that's a problem in our country that's not going to be solved overnight. I mean, yeah. my, my feeling about that is let's just take college athletics out of it by doing, you know, what I consider to be a fair thing um, and getting these guys off to a good start in life. And then, you know, obviously – when you, if I had a hundred grand when I got out of college, I, I, I don't know what I'd have done. I probably would have none of it left right now, but, but you at least doing what you can to do it now. And people will disagree with me. Uh, this is a, I think a very generous um, plan, but I also think it, it, it's a compromise um, and, and gets people off the, you know, the, the 50% of revenue uh, candy land type of deal, because that's just not, yeah, I had somebody on Twitter talk to me about this the other day. He's like, that's not enough. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? I just, you know, because again, let's talk about what players' value really is compared to the brand that's been built for 150 yeah. years 
with millions of players. I mean, you know, if you want to get down to money and value, then let's get down to value uh, and let's really talk about it. I, I I hear what you're saying, and you're right. That's very generous. I'm not sure how realistic it is, honestly. I mean, I I think name image likeness is the ultimate. Uh, it, it's the ultimate kind of card of this is the best we can do to keep everybody somewhat happy as much as you can do uh, and not violate title nine. I mean, that's how you get around title nine because you're not going to, you're not going to pay football and basketball players a hundred thousand dollars a year and then give the women's volleyball team nothing. Oh, that's yeah. just, that's just never going to happen under uh, title nine that that'll be knocked down in a court of law in, in seconds um now, now keep in mind i wasn't saying 100 grand a year i was saying 100 grand well yeah grand no, I, right afterwards yeah. i got you i got you and which would be a you know roughly 25 grand a year but but even yeah. there i mean i don't see how you're going to get around title nine to do that nate nil gets you around that yeah i agree i mean like i said if, if these people if some of these people won't change they're gonna have to come off title nine I mean, well, but, you know, I mean, see, it's gonna, a, yeah, you have it, to change, change the law. I mean, like I'm saying, but that same, ain't happening. The I mean, same people that are bitching and ignorantly going out talking about exploitation are the same people that will stand in front of, a, you know, that will stand in front of Title IX when a bus right. is coming off at them, you know, and defend it to the death. Well, what so, you're getting, you know, what you're getting at is hypocrisy. <laughs> and I, I, I think you made your own argument uh, there and there's no question. Uh, look, people want what's best for their, for themselves. Nobody's out looking for the greater good here. Uh, and, and look, I don't know about you. I graduated college tens of thousands of dollars in debt man i'm still paying i'm still paying yeah. my student loan i'm 43 right years old. right now i wasn't a a, a blues chip athlete but <laughs> i'm here to tell you without the without the student base without all the people like you and me who didn't play college sports that go to college and put money in the coffers of the university and then put money in the coffers of the athletic department without us there is no college sports. There are no athletic scholarships. So forgive me if I'm not that sympathetic, too, because uh, I know a hell of a lot more people that graduate college in debt than I do uh, the athletes who have everything paid for them and nowadays have five figures in take-home money. A lot of these kids now with the extra money are sending that money back to their families, which is a noble, noble thing to do. But you, you can call it cost of attendance. You could call it a per diem. You call it whatever you want. It's money on top of every single thing you could possibly want to pay for being taken care of. Everything. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a line out there that, that says a lot about what all these – what we all had to learn at a young age about economics. It, it's not just about the money you earn. It's the money you don't have to spend, Okay. Every, every one of us has to balance a budget and consider things about what, what is realistic to pay for and not to pay for. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, when you go to college and every single thing is taken care of, that's, that is money. That does count. Uh, that is a huge, huge advantage. And any parent of a college kid knows that. So, look, I, I, I get it. There's more money now in college athletics than ever. That's why they get more 
perks than ever. And I'm happy that NIL to me, I'm glad it's happening. I'm concerned about how it's implemented. I think it's going to be at times disastrous, honestly. I don't think the, uh, the NCAA is capable of putting their arms around this. And it's, and it's going to be fought against any regulations at every turn. But, you know, sometimes you got to have a little bit of a mess to clean it up and, and make it right. Uh, you're not going to be able to implement it perfectly. That's fine. But bottom line is, if you are that big of a star as a college athlete and you truly do bring in that much, then you're going to be rewarded for it now on top of everything being paid for, on top of extra cash being available to you. Uh, and, and you can do with that money with whatever you want to do. You know, a lot of these kids that had nothing going in, sign up to play college football and college basketball, and they spend it on a nice car or they spend it on electronics or they spend that's it's, it's America. I'm a capitalist. Spend it on whatever you want. I, I, I don't care. But it's it's very noticeable that they've got more at their disposal than ever. And yet we have more people complaining that they're treated worse than ever before. Yeah. I, I you know, it doesn't it doesn't totally add up. The math doesn't totally add up. No, it's a fallacy that they're treated poorly, in my opinion, and, and exploited and all that. And people, you know, you're going to have some disgruntled people and in programs that are going to sit there and claim it. I mean, three-fourths of the Idaho football team, according to Brett McMurphy, who just reported this just now, says they're very concerned about the season and they're not going to play because they're being exploited. Look, if I played for Idaho, I don't know if I'd want to play this year. (laughs) I mean, they play in a basically a practice bubble. Um, I think they've gone back to one double A now. Uh, you know, the, the, the vandals don't have outstanding support. I mean, but, but, I, but they're not know, getting what the kids at the, 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 the media is going to give a voice to every disgruntled guy out there. And, and, and we can transition to our next topic. If you're, if you're done with your thoughts on this, I, I am, um, I am. Um, you know, uh, of the, of the speaking of disgruntled players and, and I, and there are two sides to this. Can I just say one more thing on this before we move on? Absolutely. Because Mike. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this going, wait a minute, these guys rarely talk about the PAC 12. Why are we wasting so much time on a, a boycott movement that it surrounds PAC 12 athletes? The answer to that is simple. I guarantee you the same people behind the scenes that are pushing these kids to do this are, trying to get players from, say, the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12 to do the same damn thing. So don't think for a moment this is a Pac-12 issue. This is an issue, and you're going to hear more of them, that is going to affect your favorite team and your favorite conference. So this is not a Pac-12 sole issue. This is an, an issue that's going to continue to be discussed. And I guarantee you a number of players in a league like the SEC have been contacted and encouraged to do a a similar type movement. And a number of of those kids have the choice whether they want to, you know, it's it's really it's 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 a gamble on your part. If you want to go ahead and do that and risk that because the game's going to go on without you. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm here to tell you college football. If a pandemic's not going to stop this season, some players threatening a boycott certainly is not. It's not going to stop this season. Okay? There are thousands. Of, yeah, it, next it, man up, and that is why I go back to real world supply and demand. Yep. 
if, if any of us go to our bosses and say, hey, look, I'm being exploited, I'm being manipulated, you don't give me what I want or I quit, the answer upon high is going to be bye. Yeah. <laughs> we got somebody else waiting in the wings. Now, some people obviously have more leverage than others, but there aren't a heck of a lot of college players that have true leverage in this situation. Because fact of the matter is, again, there, there just aren't many players that move the needle in terms of, well, now I'm going to cancel my season tickets because this wide receiver is not going to play. It well, now I'm not happens. going to turn the game on TV because this kid is not going to play. You just don't have many, if any, that are going to move the needle that strongly. Conversely, obviously, if LeBron James does something like that, it's an entirely different setup. Look, yeah, I, and you know, like I'll use an example. I mean, because I'm from upstate South Carolina, um, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, even though, and look, I'm going to say this: even though I think the entire Gamecock Nation, all of the ACC, uh, Dan Walken, are woken or woke in, <laughs> uh, you know, some of the other people in the college football national Twitter media, uh, all, 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 even though they all are probably begging him to sit out this year. And there are players that have sat out. Uh, I don't think he will. That said, if Trevor Lawrence did sit out, do you think Clemson people are just going to stop watching? <laughs> of course not. No. And that's the most high-profile player in the sport right now. I know. College I mean, football. If Justin Fields says, see ya, you think Ohio State? Gonna, Ohio State fans are, are not going to be able to attend, according to the latest news from the governor of Ohio, um, you not still not think they're going to be, you know, butt chapped and, and red ass for not being able to pull, go to the horseshoe, even if Justin Fields doesn't play. No. And look, man, that, that's just how it, college football is just different. Um, you know, it, so it, is it, college basketball for that matter. Cause I can tell you all these kids that are going straight to the G league, it's not going to affect the attendance. And it's not going to affect people that watch their school on TV. I mean, that's just the, that's a built-in audience that is not based on that fans don't tune in or go to games. Like it's a combine hoping that they can see the next first round draft pick. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's a plus if you've got, you know, the, I mean, if you're a Duke fan and you got to see Zion Williamson for four months, of course that's a plus. Yeah. But, But for the most part, look Cameron Indoor was going to sell out anyway people are going to watch Duke basketball anyway people are going to watch Clemson football Alabama football anyway that's just the reality of the situation it is and and, I mean you think about even in basketball all right so so when did we first start having guys and I know we got one and done now but we started having guys go straight to pro like in the mid-90s Garnett then Kobe Mm -hmm. then LeBron came along a little while later then there were some people that should not have gone pro like Tyson Chandler. Um, You know, so that started the mid nineties. And so it's the last 25 years in case you haven't noticed people, the NCAA basketball tournament has become a billion dollar entity with a B during that time. (laughs) So how did it now, would it have been great had Kobe Bryant gone to LaSalle? Or Kevin Garnett had gone to Kentucky or South Carolina, or uh, you know, where LeBron gone to Ohio State? Would that have been huge? Yeah, of course, it'd have been great for the sport. But it didn't. Them going to the pros 
did not negatively impact the the value and worth of major college men's basketball. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and so that, that that's the deal there. And, you know, I, I think that the, the, the general ignorance about this entire thing comes from um, the uh, – the the lack of of knowledge about what the actual value is perpetuated by and that's the brands and the fans and the passion um and all that so you know we'll see kind of uh, how that goes so so that brings me to the next thing speaking of disgruntled players take you out to fort worth texas right so a disgruntled player and he is disgruntled because that's the first thing he mentioned was that he's not getting play in time says that gary patterson told him not to use the N-word and then use the N-word in defending himself. And there was an alleged boycott, but really not. And then all the other players, most of them came to his defense, to Gary Patterson's defense. Gary Patterson apologizes today. I, I have two takes on this. Number one, you know, I'm all for everybody getting a voice, but the, the, the unintended consequences of this are people that are disgruntled about other things can use popular social justice topics of the day uh, to sort of express that and try to burn everything down um, when really this should have been handled internally. But on the flip side of that, number two is white people just don't say the N word. Don't say it. Don't say it. It's never, I mean, it just don't say it, man. I mean, you know, you could talk to me about, well, why can African-Americans say the N word and why can it be in rap music and, all this and, 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 you know, and, 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 you know, and nobody can do that. No, just don't do it. Just forget about this. Don't do it. Um, and Gary Patterson probably should have known better. Um, it probably should have said, you're saying the N word in meetings. I didn't call him the N word. Use, use the, the phrase, the N word. Um, and, and, you know, I, 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 I know Gary Patterson a little bit and respect him probably as much as any coach in the country. And uh, I think if you talk to a, his former players and current players, he'd be the last thing uh, you would accuse Gary Patterson of as any sort of racism or anything like that. But uh, I think it's just kind of an unfortunate combination of events, you know, in probably kind of a heat of the moment type situation, you know? And so um, I'm glad that it's going to, it looks like it's just going to kind of be smoothed out and that, you know, Justin Fuente is not shopping for property in Fort Worth right now. Yeah, I, the only thing I'm going to say on the on the whole situation, uh, and I've I've I won't say I know Gary Patterson, but I've done TCU games. So I've been around him. Uh, I respect him as a coach. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I, I'm good buddies with him. I don't know uh, much about him on a personal level, but he's he's been around. He's what the second longest tenured coach in college football. Is that right? Um, and so, you know, if, if this was a, uh, a major problem, I'm guessing a number of pr- players would have come out of the woodwork and, uh, and said something about it. Uh, I, I agree with you on, on all that you said. I mean, just, just stay away from the word and, and no matter what context. I do think if you're reporting on it and you're putting a headline out there, you ought to have the people know that he didn't direct it at a player. I mean, the oh, way oh, the headlines yeah. when completely I first, irresponsible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, when I first read the headlines on these stories, I literally Pathetic. thought, "Oh my goodness!" Pathetic. Are you telling me Gary Patterson called one of his players the N word. 
And look, and people don't read but the headlines these days anyway, Mike. They they don't. I mean, in, in very many cases, that's true. It's like ooh, it's a it's a gigantic ooh wee ooh wee ooh wee. You know, yeah, I, I, that that made me that made me the most sick about the entire situation. Well, it's just one of those things. I mean, if you want to pretend there's not a difference, I I I, don't, I have. I have no words for you. Uh, if, if, you're, <laughs> if your take is don't say it no matter what, okay, I get you. If you want to say there's not a difference between the two, he's basically scolding a player for saying that word in practice, which has happened uh, in other places at other ranks of football. And I've been on – look, I've been on the sideline, and I've heard it said from one player to another multiple times, and quite frankly, it's – disturbing but you know at the end of the day i can't tell them what to say i think there's a rule now in college football right you could actually be flagged for saying it yeah on on the field on the field um i don't know how well that's implemented i don't think many officials want to have to deal with that uh but i believe it's actually a penalty anyway uh hopefully that'll all be be worked out i think conversation and dialogue not monologue dialogue mm-hmm. is, is always a good thing in situations like that and we'll see where that goes from there yeah and, um, and the player obviously was mad at gary patterson about other things and then he's a player that the co- that coaching staff has probably had you know had to motivate a little bit he's disappointed in his career I've, and, and i think really those are two separate issues and Honest to God, if, if there'd have been anything to it, uh, if that was actually kind of a racist deal, I guarantee you that the players at TCU would have backed their their teammate rather than rushing to the defense of Coach Patterson. Well, he would have been fired on the spot. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, if, if players revolt or not, he would have been fired on the spot. Yeah. Again, the way the article, the way the headlines read, in some cases, that's exactly what you would have been led to believe happened. Um, and of course the context does matter in, in any of these situations. And I, I mean, if you're, if you're with a website or a newspaper, my goodness, if you're, this is not something to be carefree about when you're reporting it, I would think you'd want to be, uh, really careful about the way the headline is written and the way the story is written. Well, they won't because they want that. They want Gary Patterson to, to throw a racist tirade. So, you know, because they're so woke, you know, and all that. But that's a different topic. For that's, that's a different topic for a different day. Um, all right. Let, let's get to really what affects a lot of the um, uh, the listeners here the most, and that is scheduling. You know, back, back in, a, in a simpler time when we just talked about football and games and schedules and everything else, of course, the scheduling has been unusual this year. Uh, the Big Ten was the first one to to kind of get out there and say, "Hey, we're going conference, uh, we're going conference only." Here's our model. Uh, a little bit of a rogue move, and then the Pac-12 soon followed, and then the other three. I think there was a thought process that, "Hey, they're working together," and we'll never know exactly what those conversations were like. But it seemed like they were all at least looking at it through the eyes of, "Hey." maybe we can help each other out here because there are some common games with the big 12, the ACC and the, and the SEC, the ACC makes a move. What last, uh, was it Thursday or two Thursdays ago, whatever it was. Uh, no, uh, Wednesday, I think. 
and, and basically says, okay, we're doing the 10 plus one. And then a lot of SEC fans figure, well, okay, then I guess that's what the SEC is going to do. And you'll keep those four in-state rivalries going and everybody will play 11 games. Obviously that did not happen. We know for one thing, the South Carolina president was the one president to actually vote to keep the plus one model alive, obviously for the the purposes of keeping Carolina Clemson intact. Uh, We know the other 13 school presidents did not. And really, I, I think this was a reminder to everybody that the buck ultimately does not stop at the athletic directors. It stops at the school presidents. And that's what happened here. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that the presidents, I think, you know, when you look at it, they, you know, yeah, you could, you could have played the, the ACC SEC rivalry games, but then it's, you know, you got 10 other teams in the conference that are going to have to schedule some other team. Uh, I think that, uh, there, there was concern there about testing and, and what if this happens or that happens. And, you know, I, I think you want maximum flexibility uh, in terms of, you know, being able to chop games off at the end, uh, you know, have open dates, have re- uh, they have a rescheduled date, uh, December 12th, um, where they can play, you know, the week before the championship game if need be. Um, and I think that that kind of made playing those comp, the, the, those, rivalry games maybe a little unrealistic I think that you know if you think about it and if if it was safe to do so in Florida and Kentucky and Georgia and South Carolina you probably could have opened uh that that ACC opening weekend uh with those games uh if the ACC I mean I don't know that they haven't released the schedule in order yet with the ACC if the ACC was willing to do that uh, you could have those four teams or four rivalry games be played on the 12th, and then you still got two weeks to start on time. But, but I understand it. I, you know, I, I get it, and I think that um, as far as school presidents go, you know, that they are the ones that make the decisions, not the athletic directors. And um, I think at the end of the day, the South Carolina president, uh, you know, probably, you know, he said he supported the decision of the SEC I think that was more of a symbolic protest vote because, you know, obviously if there was like a lot of big debate about it, I think his colleagues at UGA and UF and UK would have followed him. But, um, you know, I I get it. You know, he's kind of a new president there. And, um, you know, South Carolina is going to fall in line and do whatever they want to do or do do whatever they're told to do by the SEC. And it's a shame those games aren't going to happen this year. But uh, as with all things, Mike, I will take – what I'm given to have a season, you know, I'm not going to be picky. Well, and it is a a good news, bad news. I hate that we lose those games. I think um, not just the fans of those eight schools lose out, uh, but just fans in general that that love rivalry week lose out, Mm -hmm. but you have two extra conference games. And what do we hear from fans the most about the schedule, right? God, they'd love to have extra conference. Of course that comes at a, at, at a, there's a caveat to that. Yeah. Every fan says they'd love to have two extra conference games until they lose one of them. And then it's like, you know, maybe that game against Western Carolina wasn't such a bad idea. <laughs> you know, yeah. nobody wants extra conference games. Like, we, we just got smacked and then we have to go play who, you know, you know, right. Right. So if that extra conference game ruins your chance at the playoff, if that extra conference game ruins 
your chance at a division title. If that extra conference game ruins your chance at bowl eligibility, then all of a sudden, eh, maybe we didn't want that. Fans in general that have no skin in the game, that just love college football as it is, look, we all want premier matchups. But most fans that do watch college football have a favorite team and are very passionate about that favorite team. And if they're affected by extra strength of schedule in an adverse way, how quickly the, the tune can change. But, you know, on the whole, it's a win. On the whole, to have the SEC, every team play 10 conference games, and there's only really one bye week in the middle of it. Now, there's another one built in toward the SEC championship game that's basically reserved for makeup games, which I'm sure uh, in this crazy year uh, that's going to happen one way or another. But I, I like the fact that it's not spread out all over the place. I like the fact that it's, uh, for the most part, 10 games in 11 weeks. Every game is a viable opponent. Uh, and let's have at it. So on a typical SEC Saturday, you're going to have seven conference games. That rarely happens. Now, there's going to be some weeks in between, of course, that you have the bye. But the byes aren't spread out all over the place like normal. Uh, so more often than not, you're going to have seven conference games uh, and then a few weeks where you have, you know, say six conference games. But uh, that's hard to complain about. I mean, if we can pull this off and, and get 10 conference games and a full season and an SEC championship game and a playoff and you know, sprinkle in however many of the 41 bowl games you can throw in there, uh, then, uh, you know, I will be more than grateful and happy about all of it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, you, you know, you got to take what you can get. It's a, it's a global pandemic. It's a, it's a pandemic that's hit our country particularly hard. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of people seeing ghosts out there in terms of like the reality of, of, of the thing, but then it's also scary because there's so much misinformation that uh, you, you don't know what to believe. I, I read a study every day that tells me something different about the virus and often those are in conflict and they're all from scientists. So um, I get the fear uh, and I get that there's a lot of things working against it. And so that said, um, I'm happy with, with whatever. And I, and I think too, you know, when you're talking about seven SEC games a week, you know, and not during the bye week I mean, that's, that rarely happens, Mike, you know, right. if you think about it, I mean, it's a, uh, I can't remember. I'm sure there's been one or two weekends where we've had all conference games. It's not many, but man, many I mean, you think about, uh, uh, our, the, the, the post, uh, the post game show with our boy, uh, Chris Doring. Uh, they're on the SEC network yeah. <laughs> at the end of the night, man. They're going to have a lot of things to kind of get into and and stuff. And and I, you know, people ask, is this going to lead to all conference schedules in the future? I don't think so, because um, I, I think there's a lot of mid level college football programs that, you know, the the old Miss AD um, Keith, um, what's Keith Carter. Farmer Carter Keith Carter. I remember when he played basketball for a while. White Sox, yeah. He um, he talked in, uh, the other day and said, this is not good for us, <laughs> you know, right. because we're kind of rebuilding and we're hoping to get to a bowl. And, you know, now we got to play all these teams instead of, uh, you know, Jacksonville State or whoever. Uh, and I get that. And there's a lot of old misses. There's more old misses than there are Alabamas out there. Yeah. 
So I don't it's see it happening. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's an a absolute one off. For those that are getting their hopes up that this is going to be the norm, it's not. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the the the, the NBA is not going to be playing, you know, a a mini season and a and and the, the NBA finals at Disney World uh, right. every year and everything's a one off. Hockey's not going to be in Canada and eventually fans will return to the ballpark in major league baseball. Right, so, right. you know, I mean, it's just, that's just one of those things, so, but I find it very, very intriguing just as with those other sports, Mike, I think those are very intriguing as well. I think it's a major league baseball, 60 game schedules, intriguing mm-hmm. the hockey in the bubbles, intriguing the basketball in the bubbles, intriguing. So this is You know, at least it's going to be very, very intriguing this year, you know, when it comes back. I think the other interesting thing, I mentioned this, we're going to find out pretty soon whether or not um, the FCS is, is going to have their, their playoffs. By the way, we're still waiting now on some of the Group 5 schedules. Sunbelt has said we're going full bore. Schools can play 12 games, eight <laughs> conference games. And they can play as many out of conference as they want, up to 12. They need the uh, money. They need the money. Of course <laughs> they do. I mean, all these – there's a lot of programs that lost paycheck games, those paychecks – uh, again, I, I've seen it on all ends. I've seen the, the the Power Five schools that have palatial facilities and just incredible bells and whistles, and then I've seen Southern Miss, and then I've seen uh, Louisiana Tech, and yes, and then if you go to FCS, it's an even, a whole other level of we don't get what the big boys do. You've heard me mention Last Chance U a number of times, you know those kids playing juco ball they don't know charter flights they don't know any of that stuff and they're just hoping and praying that they can get a scholarship they're not worried about uh, all the extra stuff well all these schools that are not power five they're all they're all trying to figure out how they can tread water in 2020 and it's going to be very interesting to see how many other sports get cut it's going to be very interesting to see what ultimately happens because now on top of everything else, I mean, this cake has so many stinking layers. Now the threat of the power five kind of doing their own thing uh, is, is more real than ever. Mm-hmm. And so if that happens now, all of a sudden those schools in football are really behind the eight ball now they'll still have the NCAA basketball tournament money in some respect, but but for, for the most part, it, it's I just don't know if it's going to be enough. If the but what if the Power Five breaks off completely? I well, mean, that's what I'm saying. And that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt basketball because the, the tournament is much more compelling when you have the the Cinderellas and, and things like that and rather than, you know, the, the top name brands battling it out. Um, although, you know, we go through periods where we don't have very many Cinderella's past the second round, but uh, I, I just think that the intriguing nature of it, you know, you're not going to have your Loyola's and, and, and I mean, like, and then what, what, what are the big East schools and a school like Gonzaga going to do? You know, those are big time basketball, but they don't do football. So they'd have to, they'd have to really, to break off completely from the NCAA, they'd have to do some things. Now, to break football off, yeah, I could see it. Just break football off. Um, so, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, look, the Sun Belt, like Conference USA, came out the other day, and they were like, "We're going to play our conference games, and then you can play as many non-conference as you want. Go get it." 
<laughs> and what's unfortunate, they're going to have to play each other uh, or they're going to have to do a bye game with an American team like East Carolina where it's not going to be that much. Or um, I guess everybody in the Big 12 and ACC are going to become really good friends with the folks in the Sun Belt and CUSA and the American. And BYU. Oh, and oh BYU. Yeah, BYU maybe. could be an honorary member of the Big 12 this year. <laughs> BYU is going to um, – and see, BYU has the money to, to pay some of these schools to come to Provo and play mm-hmm. too. So right. They, they, could, be, they could be kind of a cash cow. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, – it's, it's fascinating. Uh, to see kind of it's going to be fascinating to see kind of what happens at the group of five level and and I honestly Mike something we've been talking about here the group of five playoff it's starting to get traction I'm starting to hear about it more and more on some national uh, uh, of course this is a national college football podcast but some some national talk shows and things like that from some people that wouldn't have dared brought it up uh, prior to this so Maybe we get our wish and we get the, the group of five playoff we've dreamed about. I, I mean, I think it's, it's becoming uh, – at first, for me, it was just a neat idea that I would have liked to have seen and, and made some economic sense. Now it's almost becoming a necessity. Uh, now it's almost becoming a situation where, especially if, if the power five breaks off, uh, you, you better do it. And, and it, it, it's, I heard somebody on a, a national show trying to – paint all these complicated issues and uh, how it's going to, how you're going to compete with championship week and the play. You're not going to compete. You're just going to find the other days on the calendar to play those games. It's, it's exactly what the, what the college football fanatic wants that can't get enough that time of year. You're just going to stagger it. You're going to work in, in concert. You're going to know what the schedule is for, the power five, you're going to know what to, when the SEC and Big Ten and ACC championship games are. You're going to know when the uh, first round of the playoff is and when the championship game, and you're going to put it around that. And it's, it's going to be – it's going to have a built-in audience for fans that don't even care about who wins but just want to get some football. And, of course, we can never ignore it. The gambling aspect of it is it, it's a real thing, and so yeah, that is, uh, and, and and that's spreading, and that's a, that's a growth industry, um, probably hurt a bit by the pandemic, but that's that's spreading significantly across the country. Yeah, I know we're 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 kind of long on time. I, I did want to mention, you know, there's, uh, and I think you're going to hear more of this. Uh, there are players now that are opting out of the season. Uh, a couple of guys who were projected to be first round draft picks again, not a, not a surprise there. And I don't fault them for doing it. I mean, if you feel like you'd be better off sitting out uh, whether it's because you're concerned of COVID or maybe it just gives you an excuse to back out and, uh, and avoid potentially a, a, a bad injury. Uh, especially we know that they're going to, their scholarships are going to be honored anyway, then go ahead and do it. I, I, so you, you've got a couple guys that have done it. There'll probably be more that follow. Um, but again, I don't think it's going to be the massive amount that some people might predict or even hope for in order to prove a point. Unless you're an Idaho Vandal, baby. Unless you're an Idaho Vandal. Yes. They're going to have to – Paul Petrito's going to have to play Ironman football uh, up there, 25 guys. Hey, I would just go roll around and, and, and look and see who played high school football last year in Idaho that wants a shot and just import. I would play with the replacement players and – um 
I don't know if I'm New Mexico State, I'm probably calling up Idaho asking for a game because um, that would be a good chance for you to win, like roll 70. But no, I mean, you know, I, I don't expect it either, Mike. In fact, when all the Pac-12 boycott talk came out, it was like one guy from Cal, uh, offensive line guy, you know, who had this idea. And then some players said, well, you know, I understand and, and respect what you're saying uh, and all this good stuff. And, and so they all signed on to it. But then you, you go back and you see some of the tweets from some of the guys that signed on the 400 or what, and they're like, I'm not sitting out under any circumstances, right. but here's what I understand all this good stuff. So I, I think very few are going to opt out. You know, there was a kid, um, Okay, so, you know, they had some underlying health conditions related to sickle cell uh, at Washington State, and that's kind of what, you know, fueled that controversy. Uh, and, and those guys do need to, to be careful. I mean, because there's – if you have underlying conditions, you know, you absolutely cannot get COVID-19 because those are the people that it kills, no matter what your age is. And so I think all those guys are probably going to wisely sit it out. I think you're going to have some guys like the Caleb Farleys of the world who, you know, stupidly wanted to criticize Virginia Tech's protocol when in reality he's going to be a first-round draft pick and that's what he's doing. He's avoiding injury. Um, and people say, who are you to question it? Well, when you sit there and lie about a program, your program, you know, and just to cover your butt because you're maybe taking some crap from fans, you know, I'm going to call you out for what exactly you're doing. And it's your right as an American and a human being to not play college football this year. I don't hold that against anybody. Um, you know, and, and then the kid Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, obviously that's about the draft uh, and just preparing. So, so I get it. And, and look, the guys that want to sit out that have eligibility remaining uh, are going to all stay on scholarship and that's fine. And that's fair. Mm -hmm. Um and then the guys that want to go on and get ready for the NFL are going to do that. Um, you know, and, and I think in the case with Farley and Bateman, that's, that's it. Their stocks, the, both of those kids stock are high. Uh, they're going to be drafted. They're two of the better players in college football. You know, you can use the pandemic as a convenient excuse to avoid the risk associated with a season to begin with. Right. Uh, it, it, it works out well for them and nobody's going to begrudge them for doing it. Um, so here we are now we've got SEC 10 conference game only schedule, big 10, 10 conference game only schedule, big 12, 10 game schedule and nine plus one ACC 11, a 10 plus one. And of course, including Notre Dame, the PAC 12, uh, conference only 10 games to be determined. The American the MAC and the Mountain West, you are on the clock. Uh, the Sun Belt and Conference USA have already announced they're doing 12 games, total eight conference. Uh, that's where we stand right now. Uh, can other things go wrong? Surely. And as I mentioned before, there's several. Uh, actually, it's really just a small group of writers that, that truly cover college football on a national basis. And many of them always have their finger on the uh, told you so we never should have played button, yeah. but, uh, if, if something bad happens, everything will, will be taken on a case by case basis. But I still think we're playing college football. I know for a lot of people, it's still like a, are you sure? I, I, I hear things. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear the same things, but 
I think we're actually going to have a college football season. And if you want to opt out, just like all the other people that have jobs that want to opt out, they opt out. If you want to opt out of school, you can opt out of school. There's all, everybody's got a choice. Nobody's being forced to do it. But I think moreover, uh, the people that already participate in college football want to have a season and that's what looks like where we're headed. So hopefully we'll have more good news uh, next week and uh, we'll limit the <laughs> the damage on uh, on bad news. That's the hope. Every time you wake up, you just you you hope that when you wake up, there's not a bunch of screaming negative headlines and bad news to come forth. But I think as of right now, the first week of August, we're on pace to to start a season, albeit late in many conferences. That's fine. You start it in October for all I care. But I just uh, I'm happy to see that we're headed toward another year. Yeah, you know, and, and I'll give those of you that want to, you know, follow the Corona Bros, uh, super negative national media, I'll, I'll take you back to March 31st and something from Dan Walken, uh, and I'll say this, uh, you know, here, here's the exact tweet. We should just forget about this NBA bubble idea right now. It's stupid and unrealistic and won't work, so just quit talking about it. That's from March 31st. Um, and, and, and then another one of our, our ACC writers, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want you to go follow him on Twitter. You know, this kind of crap just kills me. It, it's just, you know, and you can tell the type of people by what else they tweet a tweet about. The best case scenario for college football, a number of top players opt out. Well, what's a number? Is that 10, 100? A number is a number. So, you know, a good CYA scenario there numerous teams have to cancel games at the last minute due to quarantine well, what's numerous six two three 28 overall product is bad due to lack of offseason and practice time these guys have been back like semi-practicing and participating in the offseason for two months now very few programs have shut down for more than a week mm-hmm. stadiums average 25 percent capacity we're in the middle of a global pandemic and then he throws in the shot. No one dies. I mean, come on, man. Come on. You got garbage, garbage, garbage. Something we all knew was going to happen. And then no one dies. Yeah. It's just fear porn. And it makes me want to throw up. But we can talk about all that next week because we're going to have a schedule to break down, Mike. Yes. The 10 game SEC gauntlet for each and every school. I think that's going to be released here in the next 48 hours. So. Fired up about talking about that. It will be a gauntlet for sure. Uh, Absolutely. The news continues, and so do we. We'll join you next week. For JC, it's Mike saying so long. Stay safe, stay sane, and we'll talk to you soon.